Hello and welcome to Spooptober on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. This month we'll be focusing on some Halloween films to hallow stream this spooky season. But of course, we'll be discussing all things spooky, scary, and strange. As usual, we'd like to warn our listeners that some things that we discuss, due to their graphic nature, may be disturbing, and listener discretion is advised. But for those of you who would like to be spooked out, keep listening, and on to the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Sidetracks the unscripted and unruly series where we share with you what we've been watching and what is worth your time. And on this very special Spooptober Sidetracks, we'll be sharing with you some of our favorite werewolf screen works to Hello's Dream. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Hello, this is Katie. Happy Spooptober. I'm Brittany. Happy Spooktober. Happy all month Halloween. (laughs) Yes, all month Halloween. Uh, I hope I sound okay. My mic was peaking a lot. I think when my computer updated, it reset it to like recording on a high volume. So I'm trying to record it on a lower volume. So hopefully, uh, it won't sound as annoying, and Ryan won't have to fix it as much. Okay, so before we before we get into werewolves, I know uh, <laughs> we are officially, as of today's recording, it's October 10th. Uh, Kill Bill was released 20 years ago today. Oh, no! I was so I know, old. Uh, I know, that's what every single one of my coworkers, I was like, by the way, Kill Bill was released 20 years ago. They were like, I'm so old. And I was just like, dude, I was 14, so I'm like, uh... I always want to give a shout out because it's like to the move one of the movies that changed my life. Um, yeah, it was my first Tarantino movie, and it was because they kept playing it on TV, and my dad was watching with my brother, and they didn't think I'd want to watch it. And I started watching, I was like, "This is a really cool movie. I really like this movie." And then the second one came on, like after that, like what they start, then they would play it back to back, and I was like, "I love these movies." Who is this director? And then I started that I found Reservoir Dogs, and then I started getting really into Quentin Tarantino. I was like, I, and I used to like watch Quentin Tarantino movies on a Sunday. For some reason, it was like Sundays, fun days, Quentin Tarantino days. It was just like my nice like detox during college as I would turn on Quentin Tarantino movies and do yoga and laundry. That, you know? You got to love Tarantino. I, uh, I was so obsessed with Kill because Dad rented Kill Bill Volume 1 and I was so fucking obsessed with it that, like, I was waiting for Volume 2. Like, the day it premiered at the theater, I'm like, my little ass was there, and I was going to see Volume Aww. 2 in theaters, and I was so glad I got to see Volume 2 in theaters. Um, I was only but, allowed to see yes, the So I had to get that version. shut <laughs> You're like, only edited. My dad's just like, oh, God, here she goes. Um, but I did also want to mention very quickly, because I know you saw them too, Katie. So we're officially two days away from the fall of the House of Usher premiering yes. on Netflix. Yes. And I'm just like, okay, I'm really excited because between the trailers and then the teaser posters they dropped for each character, I was like, okay, so basically all of them are going to die via uh, La Edward Allan Poe short stories. Yeah. Like, right? Because you get that vibe, right? Well, like, literally, I think like, the one killer th- is the raven. Yeah, Lenora. She... <sighs> like, yeah. Well, no, Lenore. Yeah, she... 
I don't know. I, I'm curious how they fit them all together because they mentioned Lenore, but then she also said Nevermore, and uh, I hope they do a um, Telltale Heart thing. And yeah, it's we'll see. I did read The Fall of the House of Usher in high school, and it's but it's been a really long time since I actually read it, so I'm curious how accurate it's going to be. Maybe I'll make myself read it beforehand. Yeah, I know it's gonna it's gonna be so. I think it's like a conglomeration of all the Edgar Allan Poe short stories, or at least yeah. a multitude of them. Because like one of the posters was like a black cat. I was like, okay, the black cat, the Edgar Allan Poe story, the mm-hmm. black cat is like very disturbing. And I think one of them is a reference to the murders at Rugmore, Moor, uh, which was mm-hmm. to me when I was a, a, a teenager reading these short stories. The murders at Rugmore Moor was definitely one of the more shocking ones to me. And it turns out, I didn't know this until I was an adult, but it's actually one of the first detective stories. It's yeah. It's one of the first detective stories it ever is. written. And so. they also did it on one of the Treehouse of Horrors. They had a uh, <gasps> murder at the Rue Morgue um, detective story. But it also kind of uh, stole a little bit from Sherlock Holmes, too, because there was an opium-smoking detective. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is this Murders at the Rue Morgue? Because I don't remember that part. But again, I read a lot of Edgar Allan Poe in high school and a little in college and then kind of haven't really picked up any Edgar Allan Poe in a little while. So, yeah, I probably not that I like Edgar Allan Poe. Obviously, anybody who likes creepy things probably has read a little Edgar Allan Poe. But, uh <laughs> I just haven't read him in a while, but I kind of want to be surprised too. Part of me is like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. will I not be? Maybe I should forget what I read <laughs> in high school, so I can watch it." I feel so bad for Taylor because I'm that annoying person. I was like, "Oh, this is a reference to this. Oh, this is a reference to this." I'm definitely gonna be that person. That's not annoying. I try not to be. I try not to be. I. It's that's fine. another reason. It's like in my head. It's like everything I watch is like a puzzle to me, and I'm trying to constantly figure out the puzzle. And I think that's what I like about like the Mike Flanagan universe. It's like when he borrows from like the Haunted Hill House, or he borrows the Haunted Black Blind Man from Turning the Screw. You're trying to figure out what's mm-hmm. allusion to the original story versus what he kind of makes his own and i think that's something that's very exciting about his shows um so i'm super looking forward to it i know you are too mm-hmm. i'm sure a lot of people out there and the yes. podcast land is uh is is anticipating this show so i'm really glad we only have two days left everybody's a flan, a flan, a flan, stan. flan. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah gotta love mm-hmm. him um but yeah it'll be hopefully it'll be good i didn't finish midnight club that's the only one I didn't I finish either. About I that. only got like two episodes into it. Yeah. So. I got to them getting to a basement where they found remnants of a secret society. And that was like the end of the episode. And then I didn't watch anything else. Yeah. But I felt bad because I can rewatch all the other ones. Like we turned on Hill House and Bly Manor recently and rewatched most of those episodes. But I don't know why I didn't like, like that one as much. So. Yeah. Hopefully this is more like Bly Manor or Hill House or Midnight Mass and less like... I, I didn't even think Midnight Club was bad. I just think it was very much geared towards teenagers. Yeah. And I think I I was disinterested in teenagers, which sounds terrible. Like, I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, at a certain point, like, some shows are just... Did I scare the living hmm? shit out of you? 
They do. Teenagers scare the living shit out of me. But yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. But I'm excited for the fall of the House of Usher. I'm a little sad that this is his last one for Netflix. Yeah. I'm a little, like, I feel a little sad and bad about it because I, I enjoyed looking forward to that every year. So we'll see. Yeah. No, I agree with you. How we feel about that. <laughs> but I mean, if he can do more films, because he hasn't done a film in a while. So if he can do more films, then I would be okay with that. Yes. I think I can agree. Or maybe he'll do more shows and maybe he'll go to another streaming broadcast too. Maybe. Like maybe he's just severing time with Netflix. Yeah, so. maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, you never know. It's very interesting for sure. But now I guess we should get on to werewolf movies. And it's so interesting because I was like... Yeah. I was like thinking about werewolf movies. I felt bad because I'm like, why do we not see as many werewolf movies as we do um, vampire movies? And then I actually read an interview that made so much True. sense. And basically, it's um, it was the director of Dog Soldiers... Uh, who said, he's like, you know, yeah, you know, with vampires, you can just kind of cast, like, an attractive person and put things on them. But he's like, with werewolves, there's a mm-hmm. lot of work that goes into making werewolves. I was like, holy shit, yeah. That would make the most common reason why there's not as many werewolf movies. Yeah. In some cases. I think it's hard to make them not look silly. If it that does. makes sense. Like, if you go too human, like... It can look a little silly. If you go too wolf, they're not very human. So then you're like, uh, it's more of a, I mean, I love dogs and you love dogs. Yeah. You know, but, you know, if it's more of an animal, then it's less human. Whereas vampires are always human. And I feel like it's easier probably. Yeah. Represent them, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you're right. I would agree with that. Which I actually did uh, watch Dog Soldiers for the very first time. And it's directed by Neil Marshall, who oh. uh, directed one of my personal favorite horror movies, The Descent. Um, so I'll, I'll give a little bit more. Oh, I do love that oh, movie. Oh, God, right? That is a movie that I watched, and the person I was watching with it uh, abandoned me because uh, a bone broke, and they freaked <laughs> out. So, hold on, Gizmo is scratching at my door, so I'll be right back. Sorry, Gizmo decided he no longer wants to be in here, so I had to scream at Scott to come get him, because he might need to go pee. (laughs) Anyways, so Dog Soldiers. I have not watched Dog Soldiers yet. Where is it streaming? It is on Hulu right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. But it came up on some lists when I was trying to refresh my werewolf um, movie mind. Mm -hmm. It did come up on lists. What did you think about it? Oh my god. Um, so, I'm going to be honest. I really, really, really wanted to love it. Because it's directed by Neil Marshall again, who did The Descent. I love The Descent. And this was his, mm-hmm. like, feature-length debut. Um, it's set in the Scottish Highlands, which is, was another, like, oh, this is, like, cool. a green flag for me. And yet, for me, personally, it felt like it took a while to get going. Now, once it gets into, like, the real, like, grit of the movie, it, it becomes fun. But it will... It, it, for some reason, it was like, 
It took a while for it to actually get my attention. But then by the end of it, it was fun. It it very, um, it's one of those movies that it's like a little funny. And I think sometimes it's intentionally funny. And other times maybe not intentionally mm-hmm. funny, but it's still funny. But it's definitely oh. like a dark humor. <laughs> it's definitely a dark humor. The werewolves are pretty cool looking. I will say that. We do not get like a transformation scene really. Um, I'm not going to, well, we kind of do. I won't get spoilers. Aww. But yeah, but yeah, it's a... Uh, it was different. I wanted to like it more than I did, but I still feel like it's a good watch. It's a good watch. I would recommend watching it for sure. Okay. I just wanted to like it more than I did. But yeah, horror comedy, well, more horror fair. than comedy. Yeah. Well, that's funny because my first... Well, this one is probably on your list too because it's probably on everybody's list of werewolf movies because it is probably the best werewolf movie out there. Yeah. I would say arguably... Um, I wouldn't say it's my personal favorite, but it's one of my personal favorites. And speaking of humor and transformation sequences, it is an American werewolf in London. Oh yeah, that's uh, definitely which is the currently on Pluto list. and AMC. Yeah, oh, it yeah. is. It it is. I actually have one more that's my favorite, which you probably know which one is my favorite that I'll talk about later. But this one we can both talk about because it has a freaking amazing transformation sequence. Um, it also was directed by uh, Landis, John Landis, right? Yes. I believe I am correct with that. I was, right? Yeah, um, John yes, John Landis. Um, it has some of the best dry humor ever with the zombie best friend. And... It has, like, one of the scariest dream sequences ever, but it's also absolutely batshit crazy. It's mutant Nazis just come and annihilate a family, and then the guy wakes up. And it's, like, one of the first instances of that whole, like, I woke up from the nightmare, and then then you realize, oh, I'm still asleep. And then you wake up again, and you think you're safe, but you're not safe. And it's great. It's fucking great. But the transformation sequence is painful to watch, but also really fun. Yeah, so a uh, fun fact that actually won the first Academy Award ever for Best Makeup was that movie. Ooh. Yeah. Which makes so sense. I, yeah. I mean, I remember that very viscerally because my dad loves this movie. And I think our um, our friend Stephanie and Johnny, uh, I think this is like, Johnny's a huge werewolf fanatic. And I could be wrong, Steph, tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think this is our friend Johnny's favorite movie. Um, but even as a little it's kid, a solid that, one. that scene was i mean it was horrifying to watch and it still holds up so this was one of three big werewolf movies that came out in 1981 there was an american werewolf in london uh the howling and wolfton which mm-hmm. wolfton i had i did not see never heard um, of wolfton yeah but it was a big year for werewolf movies but this is the one people seem to remember when you think of a werewolf like literally I asked yeah. my co-worker the other day I said, what's your fair werewolf movie? He goes, well, everyone says American Werewolf in London, so I'm not going to say that one. So, <laughs> so which one did he say? Uh, he ended up, what did he end up saying? He said he really liked Dog Soldiers, but there was another one. Was it Werewolves Within, maybe? Which I have not got to watch. Um, I have not gotten to watch that, but that one is streaming, and I've heard nothing but good things about it. So if you want to watch one that we haven't mentioned, I would suggest doing that one. I haven't. I almost watched it last weekend, but I didn't have time. Um, but yeah, that's another one that has gotten really good reviews. But yeah, it's. 
I really liked it. It took me a little while to actually watch American Werewolf in London. And when I finally watched, I think I watched it in college. I think I rented it from the library when you still had to do that. This was when Netflix still had DVDs. And I remember watching it and like, it is very funny at parts, but it's, and that's why, probably why I liked it. But it's also like, does not steer away from the gore and it doesn't have a super happy ending either yeah so it's kind of like it's really dark but it's very funny um it does remind me kind of like ghostbusters humor very dry um i love like all the dead people just hanging out with him in the movie theater yeah and just fucking like how like his best friend's like is just a rotting corpse (laughs) it's so funny to me I don't know why. Like, the whole thing. I'm like, I would love that to be... I want a, a stage version of that. Because I just love the fact that, like, he's just, like, looks... I mean, I don't think you could. It would take a lot of money to make someone rot on stage multiple nights. Um, but it's just really good. It's a really good movie. And uh, it definitely has a really cool transformation sequence, I would yeah. say. Um, and if you haven't seen it and you at all like werewolf stuff you probably should see it because uh, you will probably like it there's also I a did, sequel yeah I w- that's I actually my co-worker actually said that first he uh that was the joke he said i'm gonna say american werewolf in paris and i was like i remember american werewolf in paris coming out and i remember it like bombed yeah, it was 97 I, yeah and so but this is the thing so i was like i was like it it was one of those movies I remember the cover for the film, but I don't remember watching the film. Yes. And then I read the synopsis. I was like, oh, this synopsis, like, even if you just go for the plot of the movie, it sounds like so, like, what the fuck were they high on when they wrote this movie? So, um, there's probably a very good reason that it was a sequel that no one ever talked about. Um, I did want to say I accidentally said Wolf Den. It's actually Wolf In. Wolf In was the third movie made in 1981. Oh, okay. Yeah, and turns out that it was probably the most serious of the three movies, which I think is very interesting because oh. it's the one that's more obscure. Um, but turns out, like, it got really good reviews when it came out, but just for whatever reason, it didn't quite uh, reach the classic... Uh, American World from London mm-hmm. and Howling, those two movies did. But yeah, I actually never even seen a scene um, from Wolfen, if I'm being honest. I, I didn't even know about it until I was doing research for this episode. That is so crazy. I've never heard of that movie. Okay, do you have another Do you have another one you want to talk about? I do. And so uh, Taylor was like, that doesn't count. But I said, fuck it. It counts in my head. So uh, I picked Trick or Treat. Ah, there's werewolves. Uh, trick or treat. It's you know, um, this is a spoiler for the movies. You guys gotta know. Obviously, there's something to do with werewolves since I brought it up. But this is a is this a spoiler for the movie? So basically, uh, trick or treat has what I would say like five revolving stories happen in the same town on Halloween night. Yeah. And there is a werewolf storyline, and I will never forget. So, uh, movies that I really, really love. I remember exactly where I was when I watched this movie. So, my friend had, like, <laughs> written written it from the... It was either Netflix or, like, Redbox, when Redbox was very, very new. And it was my roommate my freshman year. She brought in this movie, and she's like, I've written us a scary movie. And she's like, it's called Trick or Treat, and none of us had heard anything about it. We had no idea what it was about. And it was during the big reveal where the girls are werewolves that we mm-hmm. all lost our minds. Like, it was the biggest, <laughs> oh, what the hell? So, 
I will always remember that complete joy of Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson playing. And oh the God. girls are, like, dancing. And then they slowly just start ripping off their skin. And I'm just like, dude, this is, like, this is, like, so fucking cool. Um, I love it. And then you got Sam. It's and, cool. It's also yeah, a, he's super cute. a teeny <laughs> tiny bit cringe watching it now. Yeah. Because of the, because of, because of the music choice. But, because Scott had, had never seen Trick or Treat, and he finally watched it this weekend, and he liked it, but he was like, he was, but I will say, he was trying to guess, like, are they vampires? Are they yeah. wolves? What's going on? Something else is happening. But then they start playing that awkward version of Sweet Dreams, and I was just like, well, you know, it's a, it's a product of its time. If I had seen it when it first came out, I would have been like, this is badass. And, you know, but also it's Sookie Stackhouse before Sookie Stackhouse, like, right before Sookie Stackhouse. It was, like, right when she was getting the True Blood job. It's so funny, because in retrospect, it's like, oh, we all should have known, because she's literally Red Riding Hood, and that should have been, like, the dead giveaway. Mm -hmm. But yet, no one, like, guessed There's a lot of hints. Yeah. Oh, There's a lot of hints. Their whole conversation is just complete spoilers. But that's the big thing that, like, when you're first watching it, or at least when I was, like, a 19-year-old kid watching this movie for the first time, it's like, okay, that's yeah. weird. She, she's like, Mom always says she was the run of the litter. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. But, you know, you don't really think about it, like, in terms of, like, yeah. it's because they're werewolves. Um, but I loved it. I yeah. um, I mean, it's still, like, a pretty much from the time I, bought, I was able to find the copy of the movie and buy it, which was probably, like, 10 years ago it's been a staple in our house we watch it every halloween um and then sometimes if we have friends over who have just never seen it and we're just looking for a movie to watch on a friend movie night we'll put that one on just because it's like it's fun it's a little crazy it's you know there's weird shit that happens in it i think it's just a really good movie so i don't know it's a classic it's a good halloween mood movie like it's Mm -hmm. a good movie for to get ready for halloween because there's different stories but the the werewolf one is a pretty big one throughout the whole story Mm -hmm. i think the only one bigger is probably the bus story is probably the only one that's bigger than i would agree with that um also, y'all have your life-size Sam, too. Yes. And, well, it's really funny because it's like, fun. you know, we're, we're horror uh, movie people. We're a horror movie family. And so my brothers, like, always have, like, Jason stuff and Freddy stuff. And when I was a, a younger teenager, I really liked Pennywise, like the Tim Curry Pennywise. And I really like uh, Samara oh, slash yeah. Shadako from The Ring. But... Now, my younger sister has kind of stolen the Pennywise thing, so my family gets me Sam. So that's like, I have little Sam decorations Aww. everywhere because now that's my synonymous, which I think is cool because I'm like, oh, so my, my creature is actually like the spirit of Halloween. So, like, technically, I'm above all yeah. of you guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you saw Sadako. Yeah, I do. I do. I do love Sadako, uh, Sadako slash Samara. She's still one of my favorites, and um, I would yeah. love to replicate that costume I wore when I was fourteen. You, um, you do need to yeah. get Dead by Daylight eventually, so you can just play as her because she is very fun to play as. Yeah, like she is my favorite killer. But yeah, but Sam is Sam is adorable, and Sam has taken over Halloween now. Now everyone actually watches Trick or Treat because um, it wasn't. It was kind of an underground movie, and now everyone watches it. And now, like, I bought the Sam trick-or-treat earrings. Thank you, Sarah, if Sarah's listening, for the tip. Because Sarah works at Spirit right now. 
and uh, she had them on last week. <laughs> I was like, and I was at Spirit Halloween. Now Spirit Halloween also has like just regular clothes that are yeah. Halloween themed, which I I did not know that. I hadn't been to a Spirit Halloween in a really long time, and I was like, oh, so this is where everybody gets their like random like Halloween clothing for the rest of the year. I was like, okay, all right. They had some cute like little like button up t shirts and stuff. So highly recommend. But yes, yeah, trick or treat's a good one, and it's streaming on Max right now. Um, by the way, if anyone wants to watch it, because it wasn't streaming like regularly the last couple years, but it finally at least it's streaming on Max, and most people have Max, I think, right now. So that's good. Um. So my next one, you may have also guessed this one. It's one we've already covered on the podcast as well. Um, and it, I think it's my. Uh, I think it might be my favorite werewolf movie because it is werewolves from a, I think, the most natural perspective, which is uh, werewolves as young women going through puberty. And it is Ginger Snaps, and I love Ginger Snaps. I It was one of those, like, I watched it literally, like, within the first couple weeks of us starting the podcast. We were talking about it, and I went and I watched it. Well, I took a bath, and I was like, I love this movie, and we did it on the podcast, and I've watched it several times since, and if you don't know what Ginger Snaps is, it is a quintessential late 90s, early 2000s horror film. Um, It's currently streaming on Peacock, as well as the sequel, which I actually have not watched the sequel yet. Maybe I will this year. I don't know. Um, But basically, it's two sisters. They are death-obsessed, and they spend all of their time staging fake death scenes that they take photographs of and one of them the night she starts her period uh gets bit by a werewolf and so it's this interesting juxtaposition of like werewolves and the transformation and also like transforming into a you know quote-unquote woman and you know all of that fun stuff and which i think makes a lot of sense because werewolves change with the cycles of the moon yeah uh women cycle with the moon uh there's a lot of blood involved it's gnarly and there's a lot of like seductive stuff with werewolves and then they just kind of kill people so it makes a lot of sense and it's not a very like misogynistic look at it it's very like uh puberty is hell yeah basically and it's and it's it's a dark comedy too, and it takes place during Halloween. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun one. Um, I want to see the second one because I haven't gotten to see it yet, but I heard it's actually pretty good. So I need to see the second one definitely. Um, but it's I would definitely recommend it. I uh, I agree with you. That one was on my list too. It's very original, um, okay. and I. Yeah, I really, really liked it, too. Um, And I would agree with you. It's like the metaphor they used was actually very brilliant in a lot of ways. And I actually did see Ginger Snaps for the first time. I think we talked about in this episode. So I was was a Mm -hmm. older kid, so probably like 12, 13. I think Dad rented it. And the only thing I really took away from my first go-around is the ending was so sad. And, like, getting to watch it as an adult now, it's like, you know, there is, like, a lot of comedy um, there's a lot about female empowerment and how, like, women 
can mm-hmm. empower themselves sexually, but also empower themselves by, you know, being educated or different. And I really do like that perspective. It's still really sad. Yeah. And that's why I just realized, I was like, holy shit, a lot of the um, werewolf movies we talk about have a little bit of downer endings. Um, and I never really thought about that uh, until we just had this conversation. So, yeah, I do think, I do think they kind of retcon the ending in the second one. I'm not 100% sure, but I know there's a second one. Yeah. So I know it may not be as sad, but it is a true horror movie where there is a pretty high body count by the end. So I would say, like, if you're looking for a classic slasher, it kind of does that, too. There's also the whole thing where, like, it's basically an STD, too, where, like, <laughs> like that one guy, she either sleeps with or she does something with, and he's like, your sister gave me an STD, and he's, like, freaking the fuck out. He's an asshole, and it's very funny. Not as spreading STDs are not is not funny, but the way it's portrayed because he's an asshole who's just after her for sex and he doesn't care about her as a person, like it is kind of funny, I will say. Um, but yeah, it is it is very interesting for sure. Um, but it, I think you, I think people should watch it. Um, yeah, I think we had a I think we both had a pretty high rating on it. Yeah, um, I want to say I maybe give it, I would think I maybe gave it eight. It was either, like, I think it really was an eight was my rating, I really want to say. And you may have gone a little higher than me. Yeah, I don't, I can actually look, because I keep all my notes. Let's see, Ginger Snaps. What did I rate Ginger Snaps? Let's see. What did I write down? Because sometimes I change it after I don't. Oh, I gave it seven out of ten. I'm surprised. I oh. think I would now give it at least an eight. Yeah. Maybe nine. No, not nine, but I would give it definitely, definitely an eight now. And I think it was rated T for tampons, teenage angst, and terrifying beasts. Although I don't know if that's, I don't remember if that's the one we kept. Gonna be honest. But yeah, it's, it's very funny. And especially I think if you are a, a, a menstruating person, you will probably find it pretty hilarious. Um, yeah. So anyways, yeah. But that was my next one. What's your next one? Uh, so I don't know if this is one of yours or not. We did do it for the podcast. Um, and it's a relatively newer film. So it's, uh, maybe the, looking at my list, it's definitely the newest one on my list. It's 2020. It's The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um. I had it on my list too. By Jim Cummings. I do love The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And I will say as a side note, I have, I think Katie agrees with me. I have mad respect for Jim Cummings. Uh, we did our episode yes. on The Wolf of Snow Hollow, but we also did the episode on, um, oh my God, the, the beta uh, test. thank you, the beta, beta test. test. And uh, Jim mm-hmm. actually listened to our episode on the beta test and wrote me and Katie a very sweet message uh, that was yes. just like, yeah, I really like how you guys uh, deep dived into the movie and stuff. And he did not have to do that. Like this, this man is an amazing filmmaker and he knows what he's doing and he still mm-hmm. takes time out of his day to support small podcasts that, like, watch and review his movies. I thought that was the coolest thing. He also, like, crowdfunds most of his movies, and he is trying to stay away from the big studio system, which I appreciate. Um, Which I'm curious what his next movie will be. Yeah, and that's what's interesting. This was the studio movie, and I love the way it looks. Like, it's gorgeous. Like, I love that. It's like, I love snowy horror movies. They're, like, one of my favorite things. And this one has a great twist ending, too. 
the thing. Oh. It does. There, there. It is werewolfy, but there's also more to it, and I think that's why it's so good. And um, it's got some uh, Ricky Lindholm, Lindhorn, Lindholm's in it as the other detective, and then it's the last movie of. Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Veteran actor. Oh my god, he's so good. Um, he also was in the third season of Twin Peaks. I will find it. Robert Forster. Yeah. Um, and Ricky Lindholm. Yeah. So, I, yeah, everyone's pretty good in it. But, yeah, it's uh, Jim Cummings, like, his feature film, Thunder Road, his first feature, Thunder Road. He's, like, the main character and the director. But he plays a very sympathetic yet not perfect character of like a recovering alcoholic sheriff who has a really difficult relationship with his daughter and stuff and it's it's very interesting it's a very good movie and it's got some dark comedy i would not say it is a straight-up drama it's definitely comedic yeah, there is, For like, sure. a lot of comedy. I actually remember laughing out loud at the Wolf of Snow Hollow uh, a couple times. So, I, I, yeah, you're right. And that's another thing we're kind of seeing with these uh, werewolf films. They, there is, like, a running yeah. current of dark comedy in a lot of them, too. There is. Which I think is a good, it's, it's, it's a good thing. I think maybe, I mean, there's a lot of vampire movies that have comedy, too. But I feel like with werewolves... The idea of turning into a canine is kind of funny on paper, so why not lean into it and make it, like, laugh at the absurdity of it? And then also, it is kind of also terrifying, because wolves can rip you the fuck apart uh, if you really try. So, you know, there's that too. But yeah, it's a it's a good little, it's a good movie. It did get some pretty wide releases, which I enjoyed, and it has some really pretty artwork too um like the the backdrop and everything and it's yeah it's a really good movie it's yeah one of my favorites and jim if you still listen thanks for listening yeah can't wait for your next movie i know it's gonna be awesome honestly yeah i love that he's active on social media and stuff too i'm like yes we love an active filmmaker so he has a really good YouTube channel where he just, like, does, like, behind the scenes and, like, how did this movie get made? And it's really fun to, like, watch his stuff. And, yeah, he just seems like a genuinely pretty cool person. So, if you're ever in Alabama and you want to come visit or have an interview, Jim, let us know. So, okay, we vaguely mentioned this one, but I just recently watched it. And I kind of want to cover a series a little bit. Uh, One is really good. And one is so bad it's hilarious. Um, Which is The Howling. Which is directed by Joe Dante, who also directed Gremlins, which is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. And I named my dog after. Um, But The Howling, it's interesting because the makeup department for... The Howling started out as the person who ended up getting the job for American Werewolf in London. So they both have very similar uh, transformation sequences and they are both equally fantastic. Um, But The Howling takes a very different approach. And it's this newscaster 
And she, there's a serial killer at the very beginning. And this is why I like how they kind of like dip their toes into the werewolf stuff. There's a serial killer. He's been contacting her. Um, so she's doing a sting operation at a, like a porno theater, like a peep show kind of place. Um, in the late 70s. And it's 81, but like, you know, the kind of seedy underbelly of like the late 70s, early 80s. And um, she goes to this theater, and it's it's shot so you can't see the guy's face, but basically he tries to kill her, and then he ends up getting killed, or so you think, and it's just very traumatic, and she starts, like, having amnesia about it. So her psychiatrist recommends that she go to this, um, her and her husband go to this retreat, and it, it turns out, spoilers, that the retreat is actually, like, a werewolf place. Like, it's just where all the werewolves live. And they're, they want to make more werewolves, basically. They just keep inviting people to make them werewolves. And um, it has a very dark but interesting ending. And um, it is... There's a lot of comedy in it, too. But it's, it's like, wry comedy. It's not like Gremlins funny. Like, it's not that silly. But um, I think Joe Dante does a really good job with it. And it's... It's real. It's Dee Wallace, and is the main character, e- and e- she e- does a really good job. Yeah, she's like everybody's mom <laughs> in everything in the eighties. She was Elliot's mom, um, and or you know the mom of uh, <laughs> Henry Thomas, who does like every single Mike Flanagan show, yeah, ever. Um, and Christopher Stone, who I think was her real-life husband, yes, at the time. I was about to say, with the Howling transformation, I think something that's really, really cool, uh, watching it recently, is the sound design is incredible, because it, you can literally, so with the Howling transformation, you can hear the bones, like, snapping and popping, like they're being rearranged, because obviously when yeah. you're transforming, you're not having that, like, skeleton, like the human skeleton frame. You're transforming into a wolf-like creature. So you hear the bones, like, popping. Yeah. But there's almost, like, this stretching of skin noise. And you're like, wow, this is, like, 1981. Mm-hmm. And the sound is, like, epic. The The sound during that transformation scene is really, really good. Like, the popping and the stretching noises. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just horrifying. Uh, but I don't know why she stands there the entire time. Like, I'm like run what the fuck are you doing if i saw a werewolf transforming in front of me i'd be like down the road um but the other thing i wanted to bring up because doing some werewolf research so andy muschetti uh mama and Mm -hmm. it chapter one and two fame is actually set Mm -hmm. to direct a remake of the howling for netflix i would be okay with that i love him he's been doing a really good job i liked the it movies the the new ones um, but, so, I did want to briefly mention, this is not a good movie. This is a movie that is so bad, it's entertaining, and it's the sequel to The Howling that picks up, like, immediately at the end of the first movie where, like, Karen's brother comes and is trying to figure out the mystery of the werewolves. But also, Christopher Lee plays a werewolf hunter. So, you also get Christopher Lee... In, like, post-Dracula, pre-Lord of the Rings, pre-Count Dooku, Christopher Lee. It's fucking great. Um, and if you like Mr. Science Theater 3000, the dude, um, Reb Brown from Space Mutiny, 
is the main character. He's the sister, the sister's brother, <laughs> the Karen's brother. And also Sybil Danning plays the werewolf queen, I guess. But basically the best, so this movie's really bad. And it's really funny bad. Basically they go hunting the werewolf maker, like, and her name is Sturba. And she's this hot blonde lady. And it's almost like vampire-ish because you have to kill the head werewolf to get rid of the other werewolves, which is more of a vampire lore, so it doesn't make any sense. But anyways, the movie was originally going to be called Howling 2 Sturba Werewolf Bitch. Wow. And they changed it to The Howling 2 Your Sister's a Werewolf. Oh my God. And that's the movie. And it's really fucking hilarious. Mm. Um, so if you want like a good werewolf movie and a really bad werewolf movie, I would watch that. I don't think Joe Dante had anything to do with the second movie. Um, God, I hope not. No, it's someone called Philippe Mora. Who also did The Howling 3. But I don't recognize any of his other movies. So, yes. So, you can watch The Howling. It's available to rent right now. It was on It was on Shudder, which is how I watched it a few months ago. And then it's not on Shudder anymore. But Howling Part 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, a.k.a. Sturba Werewolf Bitch, is on Prime. So, uh, you can also watch that one. Did you know about this one, Britt? Uh, are we talking about the Howling 2? I knew there was a Howling 2. And now that you mention it, your sister is a werewolf. Does sound familiar, but I never knew that the original title was going to be Wolf Bitch. That's completely new to me. Yeah. it was. It's a very, like, European movie, too. Like, they go to Eastern Europe. It's very much like, is it werewolves or is it Dracula? It's It, it doesn't seem to really know its lore. But if you like So Bad They're Good movies, I, yeah, it's fucking insane. Um, it's been a while since I've watched the whole thing, but there's been several, like, reviewers online who have made some very funny videos about it. So, um, watch some clips. Also, Reb Brown seems like he might be high. <laughs> uh, I hope not. Uh, but he's not, I would not say he's a great actor. He's, like, a muscle man. Who can say lines. Which is why Space Mutiny is also one of my favorite so bad it's good movies of all time. I had to like link them together because I wouldn't recommend Howling 2 as a good movie. But it is very so bad it's good. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it was called Werewolf Bitch. But yeah. <laughs> it was That's the so 80s. Funny. Jeez. Mm. Uh, do you have another one? I do, I do. So my last of my, uh, my top five, uh, so this is the one, and I've said this again and again on the podcast, but uh, please, for the love of God, go support your local library. We were a family that was really dependent on our library. We rented movies from there all the time. And I'll never forget my dad being like, oh, I was probably like six or seven. He goes, this is a cool, he's like, this is a cool old werewolf flick. And so come to find out as an adult, I think this movie was actually critically panned. When it came out, but I do like it, and I do like the book too. The novella is based on so um, 1985 Silver Bullet, uh, which is based on a okay. Stephen King, uh, technically novel, but it's a shorter novel, 120 127 pages, so it's considered a novella. Um, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing because 
the lead character in this movie is actually a 10-year-old paraplegic boy. And so, uh, hmm. but here's a mystery in his town where people are being murdered on the night of every full moon. And so I saw this movie and um, I ended up checking out the book, which is called The Cycle of the Werewolf. And I'll never forget, Stephen King always does this. So you open up the book and there's a quote. And the first quote is, uh, 30 days past September, April, June, November. All the rest have 31 and the moon grows, grows fat in everyone. And I've always remembered that. And the moon grows fat in everyone. And there was illustrations. So there's these really fucking violent illustrations hmm. every chapter of like dead people and werewolves and i just loved it wow um so this is my this is my movie that like is probably not the best movie it probably does not hold up to today's standards but it holds a special place in my childhood heart because my dad sought it out and said this is a cool little werewolf flick and that sent me on my little stephen king adventure of having to read the novel and looking at these cool illustrated uh Graphic novel illustrations of the werewolf. Um, so yeah, it is a good one. It's a good one. It looks like it's streaming on Max and Hulu too, so it's pretty accessible. Nice. I will say, I'm looking at the actors. First of all, I hope you can see this through the camera, Britt. But the first one of the first pictures that showed up is of Gary Busey making this face. <laughs> Which, I mean, if it's a Stephen King show, yeah, there's always going to be some silliness. But Corey Haim is in it. And Everett McGill from Twin Peaks. Um, And, yeah, Everett McGill, I think, was also in The People Under the Stairs. Yes. And Harry O'Quinn from Lost is also in it. And, ooh, this lady looks familiar. Nope, never mind. (laughs) She looks familiar, but she's not. But, uh, so that's a pretty, like, all-star cast. That was Terry O'Quinn during Stepfather Days, too, it seems like. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Now, I did think it's interesting. So the director, um, Dan Atatias, I think I may be butchering his last name, but this is his only mm-hmm. feature-length film. He's, like, directed multiple episodes of different HBO shows. And I think I read he was Emmy-nominated hmm. twice for Entourage. But, yeah, this was his only movie. So. Yeah. But maybe if it, did it get panned? I didn't. Said? I don't think it did well at all. If it wasn't panned, it was definitely mixed reviews. Like, I, you can tell this is one, like, it obviously didn't do super well because it <sighs> fell, it fell into, like, being obscured. Like, a lot of people, like, even yeah. if they know Stephen King, they may not all know the cycle of the werewolf or Silver Bullet. But funny enough, he, Stephen King actually wrote the screenplay for Silver Bullet, too. So, he adapted his own work. Mm, which can be... Fine, mm-hmm. but also Maximum Overdrive. Right? Yeah. He, I think, directed it and wrote it? Oh, and is ACDC he... write music? Or did he just write it? I actually never seen Maximum Overdrive. Oh, it's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. It's But it is so bad it's good. Like, it is absolutely batshit. It is more batshit than The Children of the Corn. That is awesome. I am trying it to It also has fucking Emilio Estevez and Yardley Smith, a.k.a. Lisa Simpson. That's the, oh, that's the kind of stuff bloody. I remember seeing. Yeah, it's like, look at that werewolf is eating somebody. Like, you 
Yeah. Like, Let me just put it this way. Uh, Maximum Overdrive has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. It is very campy, though. Yeah, Stephen King directed it from one of his short stories. Um, but on a positive, Silver Bullet has a 41%, which is not bad for a horror movie, honestly. Yeah, not the worst. Not the best, but not the worst either. The audience score is higher, though. It's 56, so at least audience liked it a little bit more than critics did. Yeah. I mean, I... Listen, we both love Stephen King. Stephen King is great. But Stephen King also, his adaptations, I think... He is... Okay, you've read... You read Stephen King books. I've read a few. He never stops describing stuff. And it's great if you don't plan on watching a movie. But it is imperative to edit that man down. So I think a novella is probably the easiest thing. Or a short story for him to adapt. I think some of his best works started out as short stories. And I think that's a big reason why is because he just like it's it takes 15 hours to get through dr sleep the book according yeah. to audible i like three times speeded that thing and it was still really good going super fast but it's a lot and it's he's a prolific writer he's written a horror novel for every genre he's like the taylor swift of horror novels you know i guess really taylor swift is a stephen king of breakup songs really but but, you know, like, they both have, like, written, like, every occasion of whatever genre you need. Her for breakup songs, him for horror books. And I think that's why people love him so much. But because he never stops writing, there's a lot of just weird shit. And because he's so popular, of course it's going to get published. Yeah. Like, are you going to not publish a Stephen King novel? I, don't think I think so. it's very funny though, because it was like I was reading about Carrie, and we all know Carrie was the first Stephen King novel, and he began mm-hmm. writing Carrie, and I think he was working full time as like a teacher, but he had another job, and it was like, and his no, 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 it could have been that maybe his wife was working full time as a teacher, and he was staying home with the kids, and she was trying to make sure he got his writing career up and going, and essentially Some, he started writing yeah. Carrie, and he threw it in the trash. And his wife was the one yeah. that dug out the trash and was like, no, you need to mm-hmm. publish this. And, you know, Carrie is, I mean, shit. Like, when we think of Stephen King, that's like top tier Stephen King. I would say, what, Carrie, The Shining, yeah. Misery, It. I'm trying to think of what would be, like, top tier novels. I would say definitely well, The Shining. Well, Shawshank. Shawshank, yeah. The, Shawshank. Oh, Shawshank and the... Uh, and Stand Hayworth. By Me. Yeah. Yeah, and Stand By Me. But they are, they're both short stories. Yeah, The Body. So. The Body and uh, Rita, Rita Hayworth from The Shawshank Redemption are not... Or I guess yeah. they're technically novellas, but yeah, they're incredible. I mean, The yeah. Shawshank Redemption is considered one of the best films ever made, so... Yeah, definitely. Is The Green Mile Stephen It King? is Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Green Mile Stephen King. It is. Yeah, it was serialized. Yes. It was like, it was like uh, six or eight short novels, and then... Once they were all published, they were compiled into the giant book. Because I remember the first novel was called The Two Dead Girls. So. Yeah, you're right. I remember. Yeah. They don't really do serialization. I guess if you do, like, blog posts, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, I did want to mention two more things, but just honorable mentions. Do you have any more honorable mentions? Yeah, I can do. You do honorable mentions, and I got I got a few honorable mentions. But honestly, some of them are ones I haven't even watched. They're just feature ones that I want to watch. So <laughs> that's fair. 
Um, so I will say the original Wolfman mm. is on Amazon Prime. My dad loves this movie. And I've watched it with him a few times. And it is, mm, I mean, it's a 50s movie. And it is a little problematic about some cultural stuff. But I will say the transformation sequence, the fact that they filmed it and they would have to like pause it and the makeup guy would have to put more makeup on it and then pause it and put more makeup on him and pause it. And like he was there for hours just filming it and it looks pretty great for the time being, you know, except it doesn't look very wolf-like. He looks like Eddie Munster. Um, but you know what? Um, it's, it's an interesting story about a very sad story, a very sad tale. Um, so I will say if you want to go back, uh, I know that Elvira has done it on her show and Sven Gulli has done it. So if you want something where like, uh, there's some commentary to it, maybe watch that one and it might break up kind of the 1950s black, like some 1950s movies I think aren't very boring, but this one, I can see some people maybe like tuning out for a second. But it's, I do remember, like, having a conversation with, about my, about, like, uh, how it didn't really fit in with some modern tones. And, yeah. Uh, with my parents. But, I mean, it's still, it's not terribly offensive, if I remember correctly. But it's still, I think it still holds up. And it's worth watching. The other thing, it's not a movie, but it's a TV show. And I don't, I guess this is a spoiler for season two or three. Um, but it's in the books and in the movie, in the TV show. Um, True Blood gets very werewolf heavy at a certain point. Um, and that's on Max and Hulu right now. And I really like a lot of the werewolf stuff in it. Um, even though, yeah, True Blood is about vampires. But if you didn't know, True Blood expands into all the different magical creatures and fantasy creatures eventually. And I think... The way they did werewolves was really good. I think the way they do vampires, werewolves, and some of the witch stuff is really good. The fairies are kind of silly. Maynads! And there's some other stuff that's kind of silly. The Maynad was cool. Yeah. No, the Maynad was terrifying. But the fairy stuff is a little weird. But uh, the Maynad season is... She's terrifying. I love her. It's... uh, the one who plays Mary Ann, she played the mom in The Killing, too. She's such a good actress. Um, but yeah, um, I would definitely recommend True Blood if you like it. I mean, you can watch Twilight, too, but I find I find the whole Twilight thing not only stupid, because it's Twilight, but it's, it's mildly offensive, too, like, because it's just like all these Native American people just happen to be werewolves. And I feel like there was an official response of not loving that, but I can't remember. So don't, don't quote me on that. But I, yeah, it's, it's like when people like try to talk about skinwalkers and they're just like, yeah, every Native American knows about skinwalkers. I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I'm going to be real honest. Having not grown up on a reservation, I'm not going to like speak for that, but uh, but, I mean, there are technically werewolves in Twilight. I'm just not a big fan of them. Could be real honest. <laughs> of Twi- I think the Twilight movies, the werewolves look stupid. They're so CGI. But I think those are my 
biggest honorable mentions. I think we've mentioned everything else I was going to mention. Yeah. So, what do you have for honorable mentions? Uh, so you actually mentioned one, the Wolfman, because I'm like, you gotta give it to the classic, because everyone got to begin somewhere, and yeah. Wolfman is a classic. Uh, I mentioned Dog Soldiers. Like I said, people love this movie. Um, maybe there's something I didn't get. I really, really wanted to love it. I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it as much as I wanted to. Werewolves Within is something me and Katie have both mentioned before. It's on my list. There's also yes. one that I've read about called The Company of Wolves, which sounds very, very interesting because it's like fairy tales and kind of like Red Riding Hood and Angela Lansbury's in it. So that was a um, oh. one I wanted to add in the future. But uh, I did have to put it out there as far as like goofy but maybe fun movies to watch that were werewolf influenced. So there is an early 2000s movie uh, me, and, me and my family watched uh, called Curse. It had Christina Ricci and Jesse Eisenberg in it. Um, I haven't watched it since I was probably like 13, 14. But I remember it was fun when I did watch it. Um, and then Team Wolf. I mean, Team Wolf, for as goofy as it is with Michael J. Fox, you know, it did spawn a pretty heavy MTV series that people were addicted to. So, yeah, um, one of my sorority sisters, her stepmom is in it. Her stepmom was also in The Walking Dead, but I have not watched Teen Wolf, so I don't know, uh, what it is, but on her Instagram, she's always posting, like, Teen Wolf Tuesdays. Doesn't so, she play the mom was, of the lead character? I think she plays the mom of the lead character. I think. Yeah. I think. I think so. Um, she's very nice. She also had, like, a really... She had a small part on The Walking Dead, but it was a very significant part. Like, her character set into motion, like, a huge plot line. So it was a very important thing. Um, but yeah, she's always posting that. And I'm like, I should watch that. But it's one of those things, like, I ha I didn't watch the movie. I've never seen... I've seen bits of Teen Wolf, but not a lot of it. Oh, I was about to say, the main thing I remember from Teen Wolf is, like, his dad, like, coming in, and his dad's, like, completely furry, too, and he's like, son, we need to talk. Because it's like he's going <laughs> through the changes. Like, that's the basic thing I remember from when I was a really little kid. And maybe him, like, dunking a basketball, like, in Full Wolf. Yeah, I remember, I've seen the basketball scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's about all. I will say, there's a really good episode of Boy Meets World that is, like, ripping off the Wolfman, the 1950s one. Or 40s? It might have been the 30s. I don't know. The original one. Um, and um, it's pretty funny. I remember. There's also a, a Werewolf Chipmunks movie. Oh, yeah. You're right. Uh, Alvin yeah. Chipmunks, Chipmunks meet, meet the Wolfman. Wolf yeah. Yeah. But I, can't, I couldn't remember as many, as much werewolf stuff. And I think it's because, like, it is more expensive, too, because you have to have makeup or yep. really good CGI. Also, I looked it up. The Quaalit tribe was not okay with uh, Twilight, assuming everybody in that tribe is a werewolf, by the way. Mm. So I just want to triple check that I was like, maybe maybe they were cool with it. They were not. So, <laughs> it's like, no, they so were maybe not. don't watch Twilight. <laughs> they weren't. I hope I hope Stephanie Myers gave, like, donated a bunch of money so they could have, like, a new, like, I don't know, community center or something. I don't know. But... <laughs> It's, uh, that whole book series is an awful mess. Yeah, Teen Wolf is one of those, like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, I actually haven't watched all of it. Like, I, and I feel bad. I don't even think there was a Disney Channel original movie about werewolves. Oh. There was definitely, like, my mom stating a vampire 
think about it. Uh, is it the thirteenth year, which is like instead of changing to a werewolf, he changes into a leprechaun? Is that like something? A I mermaid? No, 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 no. The thirteenth year is he turns into a mermaid. Oh. But the luck of the Irish, he turns into a leprechaun, and it's the same actor. Okay, that's what it is. It's like I just melded the movies together in my head. So, I mean, it's the same actor. He did, a, and he was also the kid in Smart House. So, um, what the fuck is his name? Ryan Merriman. Oh. He was he was like the king of just decoms. For quite a while. Yeah. He was also in one of the Final Destination movies. But yeah, he was in Smart House and uh I'm pretty sure he was in the Oh, he was in the ring too as well. He's like the first person to die. I haven't seen the I ring too since I saw it in theaters on opening day. That's like that's yeah. the only time I saw that movie. <laughs> it was a fun movie to see in theaters because everyone was laughing at it. Um, and it was a really fun... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Ryan Merriman was not in the 13th year. That was Ches Star Starbuck. Oh. Oops. Sorry. Wrong, wrong teen actor. But Ryan Merriman was in Smart House as well. Sorry. Oopsie poopsies. But I don't remember there being a werewolf one. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, think, I think there's a lot about makeup, and I think... I think that holds people back. Because, honestly, for vampires, all you have to do is just put in some fake teeth. Yeah. You don't even have to make them look vampire-y. Yeah, that's literally you what know, the director... Like they do on Buffy. That's what the director of Dog Soldier said in that same interview. He's like, yeah, it's a lot easier to do a vampire film. Oh, yeah, it is. But I think I like werewolves... I don't know. Maybe I do like werewolves a little better. I think werewolves are a lot more sympathetic. Because usually it's something they can't control. Oh, you know what we didn't mention? What? Harry Potter and uh, oh. The Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, true, true, true. Lupin. It's a secret werewolf movie. It's true. Prisoner of Azkaban was actually... Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban were actually my favorites uh, when I was growing up. Azkaban was my favorite growing up. Because Harry got a family member. He got serious. And I really liked it. I really liked Lupin, too. And I liked the bogger scene and everything. And then, yeah. I think probably, I would say maybe Goblet of Fire is my second favorite. I really liked Goblet of Fire. The book. The movie sucks. I do not like the movie version of Goblet of Fire because they had to cut so much of it out. Yeah. Because it was such a dense book. But I really like the book goblet of fire it's probably that and i've read prisoner of azkaban the most but yeah it's a really and i think that movie is honestly the one of the better ones because it's yeah. um is it in a ratu no who it is a like oscar nominated like director who ended up directing it he did it and then like they cat they got somebody else to do the next one and i was honestly very disappointed because i was like oh i really liked that they're like, oh, it was too dark. Who was it? Am I crazy? Oh, it was Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, oh, was well, now, yeah. Yes. Roma, the director of Roma and Gravity and Children of Men. Yeah. And uh, he also, I think, did he, he didn't direct Pan's Labyrinth, but I think he was involved with it as well. Because he and Guillermo del Toro are pretty close buddies. I thought, I think Ineratu also, they're all buddies, which is why I couldn't remember if it was Ineratu or Quran. Qu- Qu- 
Quoron. Quoron? Quoron. You know who I'm talking about. Yes. Sorry, Alfonso. Yes. Yeah. So sorry. Quoron. I think it might be Quoron. Because it's got the U with the thing, and it's been too long since Spanish class, and I apologize. Um, but yeah, that that is like a secret werewolf movie, too. Because that's like, and it's fun, like, in the book, like, the first time you read it, I didn't really understand until it happened. I was like, oh! And then, like, the second time you read it, you're like, oh, like, they've been hinting at it the whole time, so. Yeah. And yeah, J.K. Rowling is a turf, and we do not, we're not okay with that, but... I still, I don't know. I still, I can't, I can't completely break away from Harry Potter. Gonna be like, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to completely separate. It was too big of a part of my childhood. So, either maybe she'll change her mind and become a more loving and accepting person. You can only hope. <laughs> yeah, but with that. Next week, we are having our friend Katie come on, and we are talking Yay! about Grave Encounters. Hey, everybody. Editing Katie here. So, unfortunately, our special guest had a conflict come up, so we are going to save Grave Encounters for when she is able to join us again. But we still wanted to bring you another Halloween feature, so Britt and I have picked out a brand new movie that just dropped on Amazon Prime called Totally Killer. It's been getting great reviews and takes place around Halloween, so we thought it would be a perfect fit. Um, the synopsis, according to IMDb, is when the infamous Sweet 16 killer returns 35 years after his first murder spree to claim another victim... 17-year-old Jamie accidentally travels back in time to 1987, determined to stop the killer before he can start. So check it out on Prime Video, and we'll see you next time for it. Okay, back to the show. Ah, but happy Spooktober. Be safe um, uh, and sound, and make sure that you... Uh, take care of one another and uh, don't uh, check your candy. Oh, do check your candy and um, wash your hands a yes. lot. My allergies are driving me crazy, so if I sound sniffly, it's my allergies. It's just, driving me crazy. I feel that. I'm the same way. I'm just like, oh, yay, you blow your nose and there's blood. That's always awesome. Sinus infection time of year. Um, <laughs> But yes, fade into your pets, guys. Um, we love y'all very, very much. Uh, as mm-hmm. we always say, take care of yourselves and one another. We just look forward to seeing you next time. Same spoopy thought, same spoopy channel. Yes, yeah, stay spoopy, stay y'all. spoopy y'all. Bye. Bye, Katie. Bye, Kids Bye, Brad. Bye, puppies and kitties and Taylor. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.